Welcome to the 83rd episode of the Reading and Writing Podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my interview with Meredith Goldstein, author of the new novel, The Singles. Also, I just wanted to note, if you have not left a review for the podcast on iTunes, if you could just take a moment, if you enjoy the podcast, and just leave a review. It takes about two minutes, and it's very easy. Thanks, and stay tuned for the interview. Well, welcome back to the Reading and Writing Podcast. My guest today is Meredith Goldstein, author of the new novel, The Singles. Goldstein also writes for the Boston Globe, where she writes a popular relationship advice column, Love Letters. Meredith, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for having me. Great. Well, if the listeners haven't heard about The Singles yet, how would you describe the novel? Well, it's a book that's it's it's a wedding based book that's not about the bride and groom. It's about five guests at a wedding who happen to be the only people at the wedding not to have a date. So these are our guests dubbed the singles by a wedding planner because they're just the only folks who are there alone. So the the story sort of follows them throughout the night and how they make connections with each other. And it's important to know that these singles are not necessarily all 27-year-old female bridesmaids. They're you know, men and women of, of all different ages, and they just happen to be there by themselves for various unfortunate and fortunate reasons. Great. Well, out of those five characters that you just mentioned, was there a personal favorite that you had in, in writing the novel? Yeah, actually, strangely enough, not the one who I based on myself. <laughs> you know, there's, there's definitely one who's based on me, who's sort of, you know, the, the person who is always the bridesmaid, of course, and she doesn't really mind being alone at all, but but she doesn't, you know, she's someone who might not necessarily ever get married, and, and she's just used to being at these functions by herself. Uh, she is not my favorite. My favorite is my my archetype character of the of the guest who knows no one. You know, I think there's always some man or woman at, at, at a wedding who... You know, you never you, you they almost look like a wedding crasher. Maybe they know the bride or the groom, but they don't know anyone else. So my favorite is this guy named Phil, who is a ballpark security guard. And he happens to be at the wedding in place of a family member who can't go and demands that the family be represented by him. So he is completely aimless and distracted and he does not know one person at this party. So he really became my favorite because you know, he's looking at a room full of strangers, uh, and we know these characters throughout the book for who they are, but he is looking at them, you know, completely with awe and wonder and just trying to figure out where to sit without offending anybody. <laughs> Great. Well, my, 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 my favorite part of the book is when he is asked, you know, are you on the bride or groom side? And he says, neither. <laughs> <laughs> so um, as I mentioned earlier, you write a relationship advice column for the Boston Globe uh, love letters. Did you always want to write novels in addition to journalism? No, I mean, I don't think that I did. And if I did, I definitely suppressed that urge. I think it's very scary, especially as a journalist um, and columnist, to admit that you want to write fiction. It's so, you know, counterintuitive. But uh, after going to probably 15 to 20 weddings by myself and having these incredibly literary experiences with perfect strangers, it, I really became to, committed to writing a story based on these experiences. And uh, it started out as not so much fiction. You know, I took a lot of real anecdotes from these weddings and put them in the book. And then you start to get more comfortable playing puppet master and allowing these characters to develop. And uh, I, I really think that um, 
while this is fiction, there is quite a bit of nonfiction, like I said, <laughs> but I, it just seemed to be like a story I really wanted to tell and had so much fun telling. That's great. Well, either through personal experience or through the people who write you letters for your column, uh, can, can you remember a specific uh, worst wedding story or worst bridezilla story that you remember that stood out for you? The, what, the, my favorite letter about a wedding was when a, a young woman wrote in because she had spent the evening after a wedding with the bartender at the wedding reception. She was, you know, a, a bridesmaid, I think, and basically had become friends with the bartender and they had retired to her hotel room. And she wanted to know if I thought that they would actually be able to pursue, pursue a real relationship. And I said to her, you know, when we, when we bed the bartender at the wedding, um, that it usually ends there. <laughs> and, and what was lovely about that story was, I, I don't know where they are today, but months after that letter was sent to me and I told her not to get her hopes up, I checked in with her and they were in fact still dating uh, and visiting each other from, from far away. And they had really made a true love connection. So for all my cynicism about meeting just some guy who's working the bar at a wedding, apparently there can be real love there. So that's, that's my favorite, my favorite wedding story <laughs> that you can even find love with someone serving up the drinks. Right. So what's the writing process like for you for your column? How, how much mail and email do you get seeking relationship advice? I, I do get a lot. It depends on the time of year. I find that uh, in the spring and early summer, right about now, um, I get more letters from people who want to break up with their partners. I believe that's because the weather is nice and they want to <laughs> they want to go out and <laughs> And of course, right after New Year's, I get a million letters from people who who either don't want to propose or feel like they have to propose. It's holidays make us crazy. Uh, so you know, I spend a lot of time reading. And then I give myself a few days because I tend to change my mind six times about every letter. And so I want I want to get to a place where I'm stable about my answer. And I think the contemplating the answer takes a lot more time than writing it. And I try to read the letter once at night and in the morning because my mood is different at night than in the morning. <laughs> uh, I'm actually much more kind in the morning for whatever reason. At night, I think I'm cranky and I want I want everyone to just, you know, <laughs> try life on their own. It. Um, so yeah, I just I want to make sure that my answers are not affected by my own hunger or exhaustion or you know or that I'm just making the right call. So it, it's certainly time consuming, but also so much fun, and and uh, I just feel so absolutely lucky that people trust me with their lives. And you know, I think with email nowadays, you know, I think about Ann Landers and and how she ran her column. People had to write her a handwritten letter and mail it with a stamp. And she still got millions of letters. And it's just such a testament to her ability. I'm in, in this position where people can get angry and send me a note at two in the morning, 15 minutes after they've had a fight. So I think the kinds of letters I get are just are very passionate, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, yes, it, change in the industry. Sure. So I, I think some people would 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 see your job kind of as a dream job. How did you end up uh, writing the column? Well, I wrote a lot of trend stories about relationships in general, and I started working in the Boston Globe's Living Arts section when technology was so rapidly changing how we interact, from people dropping their landlines so they only had cell phones, uh, to really the the takeover of online dating when it when it became something you didn't have to be embarrassed about. So even though those things seem like they're so old, they really weren't. I was getting questions 
you know, on the side from readers a few years ago saying, you know, am I allowed to text message someone to ask them out on a date? So the more stories I wrote, the more private questions I was receiving from writers, from, you know, or readers, Mm -hmm. uh, just random people writing me letters. So I wound up suggesting to the Globe that we should maybe try a column. You know, we had had a few syndicated advice columns, but I felt like we needed someone in-house. So I felt like I was the person to do it. And, you know, like many other advice columnists, I actually started, you know, just by writing features. And people always ask me, well, don't you have a degree in therapy? And I thought a real therapist wouldn't wouldn't write an advice column. <laughs> they, don't, they don't tell you what to do. So uh, it's been lovely. And, uh, you know, I think that um, I've always been the person who people, you know, came to for advice. So I think if you grow up as that person it sort of comes naturally. Right, right. So outside of, I, I asked you earlier about a specific letter around weddings, but outside of uh, weddings, just in terms of general relationships and the types of topics that you cover in your column, is there a particular letter that stands out in your mind from... from my, my, yeah, there there is actually. I mean, we have had some incredible letters. Um, one that, that, that sticks out to me was from a young man who found out he had a possibly terminal illness and he didn't know how to date. Uh, that was an incredibly moving letter. Um, we also have incredibly funny letters about, you know, people who have found, um, I, I got a great letter from someone who basically found an intimate videotape, uh, from her boyfriend's past watched said tape and then didn't know how to get it out of her mind. Uh-huh. <laughs> she, was not, she was not cheated on. This was archived footage, but she said, now I know what he looks like, you know, with someone else and I don't know what to do about it. But so they really run the gamut. But my favorite, which I think is just such an iconic letter, I think the headline on it is, when will it get better? And it was just from a young woman who had had a bad breakup. And months and months after the fact, she just said, it's not getting better. And it was the first time in love letters that I actually talked about my own history in the beginning of love letters, I made a rule to leave myself out of it. And I didn't even want to tell people if I was, you know, the, the a person who would see men or women or single or married, right, I right. wanted to be a mystery. But her, her letter was so moving that I really wanted to say to her, I still think about my ex-boyfriend from college. Eventually it will get better. And, and here's how it worked for me. And it was just so representative of, of, I think what everybody feels when they go through their first incredible loss of a great love. And it was the first time that I cried when reading a letter. And I can't even say there was anything that magical about it or different about it. It just was, you know, she just put into to words the exact emotions you feel when you're going through a heartbreak. Sure, sure. Well, well given, your, given your background in journalism and now with your first novel, what tips or advice would you offer for aspiring writers, either from journalism or, or in terms of fiction? I think the first thing you have to do is be brave. It took me a while to admit to people, especially my colleagues at the Boston Globe, that I was writing a novel. It's so uh, revealing and it made me feel very naked and up for criticism. And I think the moment you say it out loud, then suddenly it becomes true. And that's incredibly important. And I also think that that people who are young and, and, and aspiring journalists and, and novelists, you know, they shouldn't let their age stand in the way. We live in this world now where you can be an incredible success at 23 years old and put yourself out there. And just because you've been, uh, you know, around for, for less time, it doesn't mean that your experience isn't valuable and that people don't want to read about it. Some of my favorite writers are quite young. Some of my favorite writers are interns that we've had at the Boston Globe who keep their own personal blogs. And I think that that's a wonderful way to just get going and let people know that you write what you see. Um, so, you know, 
it, it's, it's a great time to be a young writer because you can really find your own audience. That's great. Well, what books, fiction or nonfiction, have you read lately that made an impact on you and that you would recommend? Oh, that's a great question. Um, <laughs> I have recently, you know, I stopped reading adult books when I was writing my book. For some reason, I just couldn't read and write at the same time. And I actually started reading a great deal of young adult fiction, which in some cases nowadays is spectacular and better than some of the grown-up fiction, quote-unquote grown-up fiction that, that I read. I mean, I was sort of finishing this book in the height of the Hunger Games and running home every night to, to finish the Hunger Games um, series. And uh, I just wound up fi- falling in, really in love with um, – just so many young adult authors. So, you know, I just finished uh, Boy 21 by Matthew Quick, which is a great, a great young adult novel, as is Why We Broke Up, which is my favorite book of, of the year. Um, Daniel Handler, also known as Lemony Snicket, talk about a relationship book that made me cry. Why We Broke Up is like, it's, it's like a Bible. <laughs> um, so, now that I'm actually, and with beautiful, beautiful drawings as well, uh, it's a it's it's a book that makes the case for Kindle not always being the right way to do things because right. I needed that one in hardcover. Um, so those sort of became my favorite novels to read during my writing process. And now that I'm done with with the singles, I'm allowing myself to read all of my John Irving all over again (laughs) as a celebration. So I recently picked up Hotel New Hampshire again, which is my ultimate favorite because it's my, it's my reward (laughs) for having the book done. That's great. Well, are you working on another novel now? I am. I just started a a new novel and this one is set in Boston. My, you know, the singles is set where I'm from in Maryland, but I've lived in Boston for so long now that you know, I know these like ins and outs of the city and it's so much fun to set up a novel where you live. So it, it does concern love, not surprisingly, and relationships. And, and it's pretty much in my backyard. So, you know, whenever I'm walking around the city and just shopping, I can call it research. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Well, where can people find you online? They can find me at MeredithGoldstein.com. And if they're specifically looking for love letters, they can go to Boston.com slash love letters. Great. Well, again, we've been speaking with Meredith Goldstein, author of the new novel, The Singles, available in bookstores or as an ebook now. Meredith, thanks for doing the interview. Thank you so much for having me. You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Support for this podcast and the following message come from Coriant. 
Corient provides wealth management services centered around you. They focus on exceeding your expectations and simplifying your life. Corient has been helping high achievers just like you enjoy their lives more fully, preserve their wealth, and provide for the people, causes, and communities they care about. As one of the largest integrated fee-only registered investment advisors in the U.S., Corient has deeply experienced teams in 23 strategic locations. Corient has extensive knowledge spanning the full spectrum of planning, investing, lending, and money management disciplines. Leverage Corient's exclusive network of experts to craft custom solutions designed to help you reach your financial goals, no matter how complex they may be. Real wealth requires real solutions. For more information, connect with a wealth advisor today at Corient.com. That's C-O-R-I-E-N-T.com. Corient.com.